We are in the second week of a new series for the new year, looking at simplifying our lives, simplifying our lives especially through the exercise of decluttering. Clutter is an untidy collection of unneeded things, useless things, forgotten things, unwanted things, things we hang on to out of habit or neglect or oversight or frankly, insecurity. And it's a problem. It's a problem because it just keeps coming at us. It just keeps coming and coming. And that's a problem because clutter distracts us. It can confuse us. Clutter gets in the way of what we're doing or what we're trying to do or where we want to go. Decluttering is the process in which you remove, organize, reorganize, order, reorder your space so that it better suits your day-to-day life for the sake of cleanliness or comfort or to improve aesthetics for simplicity's sake or just for more successful living. When you declutter your space, you make value judgments on the stuff you've got. What is most important that you need to keep at hand? What is useful or helpful but can be put away for now? And what needs to go? what you need to get rid of. I received a lot of comments on last week's message, which apparently hit people in a number of different ways, but moving more than a few people to go home and actually declutter. Some people even sent us their before and after pictures. (laughs) So I was just thinking that that could be a thing for the parish, right? How about if you undertake a decluttering project in the course of this series, send us your before and after pictures. We'll let you know how to do that as soon as they figure it out. (laughs) Because I just thought of it. (laughs) Probably the biggest compliment that I received was from a mom who told me her 12-year-old son came home from Mass last Sunday and spent two hours cleaning and reorganizing his bedroom. That is real life change. (laughs) Well, as we discussed last week, just as we declutter space, we can declutter other areas, every area of our life, our relationships and friendships, our hearts and minds, our calendar and schedule, and the focus of today's message, our souls, our souls. We have a soul. And we actually can accumulate clutter on our soul. In looking at how to declutter, it's helpful, first of all, to define the soul and then paint an image of what an ordered and healthy soul looks like. And then we can talk about how to declutter. The soul. The soul is the immaterial, immortal core of the individual, the deepest part of what makes you, you. It is our soul that connects us most directly to God. It's the spiritual part of you that God alone created. You get your physical nature, your body, from your parents, but God creates your soul. And just as our space can get cluttered with junk and stuff we don't need and we don't want, our souls can too. And since your soul is the organizing principle of all aspects of your life, a cluttered soul is a serious problem. 
In fact, a cluttered soul will lead absolutely in turn to clutter in other areas of your life. When our soul is in disarray, we can't do the good we want to do. We find ourselves doing things we don't want to do. When our souls are in disorder, we can find ourselves exhausted, unnerved, fragmented, conflicted, and other bad stuff too. You know, in a culture that focuses on the superficial, we can easily neglect the health of our soul or even lose sight of its very existence. This is what St. Paul addresses in his first letter to the Corinthians, today's second reading here at Mass. We're going to look briefly at that reading today. The clutter in their lives and their community was causing all kinds of problems for the church in Corinth. In his letter, Paul helps us see what an ordered soul looks like. To understand Paul's letter, it's helpful to know a little bit more about Corinth. Corinth was an important and international city of the Roman Empire, containing great wealth due to a robust manufacturing sector, including shipbuilding and the production of bronze, ceramics, and textiles. Corinth was also known for luxury goods, including mirrors. This is interesting. A Corinthian mirror in one's home was considered a status symbol. Most of all, Corinth was geographically predestined to be a corridor of commercial trade, strategically located as it is between the Adriatic and the Aegean Seas. As a city of mariners and other international travelers, it also developed a re reputation for indulgence. It was kind of an ancient version of Sin City. The expression, live like a Corinthian, suggested a life of pleasure and even debauchery. This, in turn, inevitably promoted a de dehumanizing kind of culture, prostitution, abortion, and not only widespread violence, but the celebration of violence. That Paul was able to establish one of the very first Christian communities in Corinth, of all places, was, in itself, a minor miracle. However, from the start, there were problems in the church. There was disunity as people fought with one another, forming factions and cliques. Christians, distracted by the depraved culture all around them, created their own problems in the community, sometimes corrupting and confusing Christian worship and faith with pagan rites and rituals. It was hard to be a Christian in Corinth. Paul writes to address these problems and help clean up the mess that was developing. And from the very beginning of his letter, he establishes a truth that was vital for them to grasp as a starting point for decluttering their souls. Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the church of God that is in Corinth, Paul begins by identifying himself as called by God to be an apostle because it is God's will. He recognizes God's authority over his life. An ordered, decluttered soul begins and ends with God. 
and organizes their life around God's will. The more we align our will with God's will, the healthier our soul. That means, first of all, understanding the general aspects of God's will. It's God's will that we love and worship him, that we love and serve one another. It's God's will that we engage in Christian community. It's God's will that we bring others into a relationship with Christ. That's God's will for all of us. But then there's a deepening understanding of God's will for me, of God's will in our own lives, the unique mission and vision that he has in mind for each of us. There's a deepening understanding of the gifts and abilities God has given us uniquely, of how we relate to God, of the spiritual practices that draw us more intimately into a relationship with Him. We deepen our understanding of how we can love the specific people who people our daily life and use the specific opportunities we're given each day to grow in love. Ordered souls have a deepening commitment and understanding to God's will, as Jesus did the night before he died. He prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Or like Mary's prayer at the Annunciation, let it be done to me according to your will. Paul knew the mission God had given him and that it was God's will for him to establish and guide local churches. And he grew in his understanding of God's will for his life throughout his life. An ordered soul focuses on God's will and grows in understanding. Then, Paul makes a second point. He wrote, to you who have been sanctified in Christ, called to be holy. What does that mean? Well, to be sanctified means to be set apart for a divine purpose, to be set apart for a divine purpose. Through his suffering and death on the cross, Christ has sanctified us. We are now sanctified. We are set apart for a divine purpose. And since we have been sanctified, we are called to holiness. Nothing less than holiness. That is not to say we are now holy, but we are called to holiness. Holiness isn't a word that gets used much anymore. It's kind of out, of out of fashion, I guess. But over and over again, Scripture very specifically calls us to holiness. Holiness is the primary attribute of God. It's divinity. The holier we become, the more we become like God. Holiness re relates to the ho wholeness of being, an integration of the entire per person, a clarity of purpose, so that all aspects of our being are working together to love God and love other people. It's God's desire for us, and in our heart, it's also our desire, our deepest desire, even if we don't acknowledge it. So it's what God wants for us, it's what we want most for ourselves, and yet, yet we struggle to pursue it. Why? Precisely because of the clutter 
in our soul. The key to decluttering our soul is simple. Silence. Silence. Silence in a daily quiet time for prayer. What do we do in prayer? Well, we like to use the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication. We adore God and recognize his greatness. We acknowledge our own sin. We thank God for his goodness to us. And we ask God for what we need or what we want. And just as in decluttering our space, we decide what needs to be accessible, what needs to be stored, what needs to be thrown out, so prayer accomplishes the same thing in our soul. In prayer, we first of all determine what needs to be accessible. For instance, in prayer, we practice praising God and expressing gratitude for our blessings so that gratitude and thanksgiving will characterize our attitude throughout the day. In prayer, we pray for other people so that we act more generously and graciously toward the people that we meet in the course of a day. Prayer puts things like praise, thanksgiving, generosity, mercy, grace, gratitude at the forefront of our souls so that they're at the forefront of our attitude and our actions. Daily prayer also helps us figure out what we need to store for later. In prayer, we can recognize lessons that we've recently learned that can help us out later on. Sometimes in prayer, we can recognize things we need to change, but aren't ready to change just yet. You can be honest with God about that. And it's in prayer that we more clearly see what we need to throw out, what we need to absolutely simply get rid of. Anger, bitterness, resentment, greed, selfishness, self-righteousness. We need to absolutely get rid of them. We make the determination to avoid sin moving forward, or at least try to lay down grudges, avoid pettiness, and anything that doesn't align with God's holiness. And here's the thing. Just like when you declutter your house, you see more clearly the opportunities to make it more aesthetically pleasing, more organized, more comfortable, the same is true for our souls. The holier you're getting, the more you'll see the gap between you and God. I'll say that again. The holier you become, the more clearly you can see the gap between you and God. And that's a good thing. That should encourage us. As we grow in holiness, we see so much more clearly how patient God is with us, our dependence on God, our need for his mercy and grace. We grow to see our life as it should be, a partnership with God. Silence, a daily quiet time for prayer. Prayer that is adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication. These are keys to getting rid of the clutter of our soul and keeping them clutter-free. If you're not sure how to begin, <coughs> if you're not sure how to begin 
or where to start, you can sign up for our daily devotional. It's called Daily Practice. And as our gift to you every morning, free of charge, we'll automatically email you prayer. Prayer to refresh your soul and start your day. Just text the word practice, that's practice, to our short code, 88877. If you want to go deeper in this particular aspect of simplifying, sign up for this week's workshop on decluttering your soul. It's Tuesday, January 17th on Zoom, featuring Father Phil Hurley of Loyola University here in Baltimore and our own Tom Corcoran. And it's all about a particular form of prayer developed by St. Ignatius Loyola that you might find uniquely helpful. Just go to our web website and click the tile Nativity's Top Three to register. And by the way, a powerful form of prayer that's easily accessible and right at hand today is Eucharistic adoration, praying before the Blessed Sacrament. We offer adoration with exposition, that's the Blessed Sacrament exposed before the tabernacle, every Sunday morning, nine to noon, and first Fridays from 12 to five. Join us in the chapel for beautiful, silent prayer. An ancient saying offers the following uncomplicated and entirely simple advice. No one can teach you to be holy. There is no teacher except your own soul. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.